This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm Head of Content and Research. My guest today is Dave Powell. He's a Vice President with Grand River Aseptic Manufacturing. Uh, I believe the acronym is GRAM. Um, we're going to have a conversation about supply chain resiliency and some of the challenges the pharmaceutical industry is uh, facing right now and how CDMOs are helping. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Dave, thanks so much for being here today. Great. Thanks for having me. Yo, before we get too far into this, could you tell us a little bit about your organization and the work you do? Yeah, Graham is a contract manufacturing, contract development and manufacturing organization. Uh, we've been around for about 10 years. Uh, one of our biggest things we've done, low, we were a big part of Operation Warp Speed and supplying COVID-19 vaccine during the past, during the pandemic. That would certainly give you uh, some insights into some of the supply chain struggles that, that the industry is facing. Uh, could you expand on that for us? Yeah, no doubt. It's definitely, it's, it's definitely been a strain on the industry. Uh, from top to bottom, commodities, consumables, all the way through the manufacturing API manu and fill finish, that the industry was kind of pushed to the limits um, as the need for the COVID vaccines and therapeutics were required. Uh, products for other, comp other uh, commodities for other products were, were not available. So the industry is now looking back and say, what have we learned? How do we do things better? especially in regards to supply chain resiliency. So what are some of the steps that are, are being put in place now as we come through, I guess you were calling it sort of a COVID hangover phase? COVID, yeah, the COVID hangover. Well, I think a lot of people are looking back. I think they took for granted uh, the supply base. Instead of just looking at their suppliers and, and having faith that they have the things in place, maybe saying, hey, look at their suppliers, suppliers, raw materials, and say, is there redundancy in their supply chains? And then redundancy in the right places in the U.S., or within the U.S. or in parts of the world that they know in a, in a crunch, they could still get supplies. I think one of the things driving this trend towards partnering with CMOs and, and CDMOs, there's almost an offloading of responsibility. Like, hey, if we hire capacity somewhere, the supply chain headache is is their responsibility. Has that sort of been your experience, or do you think that's a little bit of a simplification? Yeah, no, it, it, it's always a partnership. You can't just offload. You don't offload risk. You don't offload anything. You develop a partnership, and they become a cog in part of your whole supply chain plan. So your business continuity includes outsourcing. It, you treat it as your own manufacturing and and, and put the uh, processes and the people in place to make it work. But it's never just outsource and, and forget it. Someone else's headache. Yeah, it never happens that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about your experience with Operation Warp Speed. Yep. I, I think that's sort of the story of the year. I think it's going to be the story for a number of years to come. Yeah. And I also think the industry is learning a lot of lessons from it. When you're looking maybe at the supply chain crunch or maybe at the growth of partnerships within industry mm -hmm. or, or even just what you were allowed to do during this period of crisis. What are some of the top things that come to you as like, this is new, this is exciting, we should do more of this or we should be talking about this? Well, I think there was uh, definitely, uh, the, the, I think the U.S. government realized they do have a bigger part in the pharmaceutical industry as far as ensuring uh, but, but uh, ongoing supply chains throughout from top to bottom. So I think they realized that it's not just they can just want to leave it all up to industry. They want to be part of the solution for the future and making sure there is investments in the U.S., uh, in the industry, just like other key industries, making sure some of it is here. Uh, so in the event of uh, another pandemic or other disruption, that they, they can rely on manufacturing that they have, uh, they have oversight for. I know one of the things that we're getting a lot of input on from uh, pharmaceutical companies, they've seen Operation Warp Speed as an example that, you know, in an extreme situation, 
things are possible that aren't possible day to day. Yeah. They would love for some of the things that happened in a moment of crisis to be opportunities to build some of that into their future. You know, what do you think about that? Well, I definitely see, it open people's eyes that things can be done quicker. Uh, it's, it's naturally been a very conservative industry, highly regulated. Uh, change is always pre-planned and executed at a very deliberate pace. Warp speed definitely uh, was warp speed. It's so that you can do things fast without jeopardizing quality or sh taking shortcuts. That being said, the industry will take a while to, it will maybe learn from it, but I would not expect big changes overnight. It will take some time, but it was an eye opener that things can be done quicker without a sacrifice to quality or any, anything else. You've been having a number of conversations on site with senior pharmaceutical executives. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're coming to you, what do they want to talk to you about? What is it that they're hoping that uh, maybe Grand River aseptic manufacturing can help them with? Well, learn a lot about our capabilities. Um, we, we did invest in a brand new facility right at the beginning of COVID. Of course, it was big part of, became a big part of operational warp speed uh, because of the need of the time. But with that, now we are uh, ready to help other pharmaceutical companies with other therapeutics. And so a lot of the discussion is what we can do. Uh, we're in the heart of the U.S. in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, with a lot of new technology and new capabilities. And we're ready to help further pipelines along for a lot of the pharma companies. I get the sense that some of these partnerships are happening because you know there's been a shift in demand. They didn't anticipate how much business is coming, and they want to respond rapidly. So I'm curious because, of course, nothing can be rushed in a partnership with a CMO or a CDMO. You know, what do the first steps look like? How long does it take before you really start feeling like you're making progress? Could you give us a little bit of a timeline? If some of these conversations are successful, what does right. that look like? Well, again, going back to our industry is not the quickest to move, and so they're very deliberate. Due diligence is very important. So uh, you're buying long-term relationships. So you take your time and we appreciate that. Uh, so it can be anywhere from six months to a year to uh, a partnership to even evolve from these discussions. And uh, with the drug development cycle taking five to 10 years, it's okay. It kind of works in lockstep with drug development. But uh, the goal is to build on those relationships and have them come kick the tires, see the facilities, bring their team, look at us from top to bottom. And those things take time and we, that's the way it is. But uh, we hope to, you know, within the next year, evolve some great partnerships from these discussions. In terms of, again, I have conversations with quality people mm -hmm. at events like this, and they're always interested in my organization as a quality culture. I try to make everyone on the same page. I try to involve people. This partnership, as you say, it's an ongoing long-term relationship. How do you sort of uh, coordinate and parallel what you're doing internally with what your partners uh, want and need of you. Yeah, quality culture is huge with us. It, it really, it's it's actually the it's it's one of the pillars for the company. And um, you know, building that relationship with the quality organizations, um, by and large, everybody's following the same set of rules, right, with the regulations. But uh, the interpretation, how they perceive, and their what their quality culture and how they do things can be slightly different. So working together with the aim in mind is top quality product. Um, but working together and discussing how we do procedures and things is just part of it. And um, the partnership and the quality organizations between us and our customers is, is paramount. And it's one of the first things we do is to engage in those discussions through quality audits and stuff. So you start building a relationship from really before you even put ink to, pa uh, to paper uh, and so forth. I'm curious, when companies are looking to partner with a CMO or a CDMO, what are they really looking for in terms of capability, pros and cons? Uh, if they've got five good options, how do they know they're making the right decision? 
Well, I think in the supply chain resiliency, you know, concerns heightens the need for looking for partners with new new technology. Within our industry, unfortunately, just because of the highly regulated thing, people were really slow to remove older technology, older assets from the industry and replace with new because it's hard. You have to move products off. That takes time. And so um, there's older technologies. Bringing in new technology, the latest in, in isolator technology, latest filling technology is really important. And I think as people look at supply chain resiliency, new technologies means um, higher, higher reliability. I would be curious on your thoughts about the movement towards, you know, if not reshoring, then nearshoring, the idea that uh, we're going to have to start making things a little closer to where we live or uh, in a more globally optimized footprint where it's not about having two or three centers on two or three continents. It's, yeah. it's about making sure we can get what we need at the right time without disruption. Yeah. Um, could you speak to that? Yeah, I think uh, it, it is the, this nearshoring term where you're also hearing just in case versus just in time. You know, it's, it's just kind of changing the thoughts that were out there as far as looking for low cost providers, looking for different areas and not worried about geography. Uh, I know it's a global view, it's great. Uh, but I think the one thing COVID is, uh, we've all learned is that, hey, you know, sometimes being close to uh, your, your suppliers is important, knowing the full supply chain and understanding uh, not just where your suppliers are, but how where their suppliers are and kind of mapping it all. But uh, bringing it near shoring, I don't want to say just onshoring, I think near shoring is important. I think it is a trend as people look to, uh, to really secure their supply chains. You know, we have been covering a lot of ground here, and I just want to make sure that, you know, people who have been listening really know what you're trying to say. What are some of the a couple of takeaways that you want them to think about a little further after this episode? Well, I think uh, everybody, COVID-19 was a hard time, challenging, right? But I think the people should look at the positive. It's very eye-opening. And there is that realization that, hey, reinvestment in the industry is important. Uh, reinvestment for supply chain resiliency is important. And right here in the, in the U.S., there's a lot of investment going to be coming because of the, these, the stress and strain that COVID brought on. And I think it just to open your eyes to see the opportunities that, this, that COVID will bring versus the challenges, that, remember the challenges, but look forward to the positives. Uh, facility like Grand Rivers Aseptic Manufacturing, right in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, latest investment in technology. Uh, it's a great home for future products. I think everyone who's been listening probably has a, a couple of questions. Maybe they do have some interest in, in getting to know Graham a little bit better, or maybe they'd just be interested in your thoughts. Yeah. What would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, definitely first go to our website. We have a great website. It gives an overview of what we are and who we are. GrandRiverAseptic.mfg.com, or just follow me on LinkedIn and send me a message. I'll be sure to get right back to you. So I really appreciate you making that offer. Um, for anyone who doesn't want to go up to the top of the podcast or read the caption, it's uh, Dave Powell is who you'd be looking for on LinkedIn. And I, I think it's such a powerful social media tool for business that you know experts can get in touch with each other without having to figure out phone numbers. Um, I, I really appreciate your time, Dave. This has been a great conversation. Well, thanks for having me. All right. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint podcast series. Uh, I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.